This is Jess, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. Today, I am speaking with the co-owners of The VBAC Link, Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton. They are mamas and doulas with a passion for all things VBAC. I was so curious to hear about their personal VBAC stories, but first, I wanted to journey into their start of motherhood. Then, we dive into all things VBAC. And for anyone who doesn't know, because I didn't until about two months ago, <laughs> a VBAC is a vaginal birth after cesarean. This episode is super, super informative, especially if you've ever considered a VBAC or if maybe you come across it in the future. Make sure also you check out their website in the show notes and you'll find it overflows with information, more than you could ever dream. So here they are, Julie and Megan. Welcome, ladies, and thank you so much for joining me. Oh, we're so happy to be here. Oh, this is so fun. I also (laughs) wanted to give a quick shout out to your podcast, which is also just called The VBAC Link, and people can find that. So ladies, go ahead and take me back to what was life like before having kids? Easy. Oh, a lot less less cortisol levels rising. Like my cortisol levels didn't rise as fast. (laughs) No, you know, before kids, I feel like um, it was just my husband and I, and we just kind of rolled with life and we took a lot of vacations and we just did a lot of stuff for us. We were really selfish with our time. Um, and yeah. And then of course kids has changed that not for the worse, uh, but for the better, but it, it definitely has (laughs) enhanced the craziness in my life. And like I said, the cortisol levels have definitely, um, kicked in a lot higher, but yeah, I don't know, Julie, how was your life? Your life was intense before kids. (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've done a lot of things. I guess I, I'm the type of person where I just, I have to have change every so often. Mm-hmm. Like my husband, every once in a while, will see me like looking around the house and he's like, are you remodeling or planning <laughs> or rearranging what is going to be different in the next house that we move into? And I'm like, yeah, I get a little restless, I think, with um, having things stay the same for too long. Um, so after I got out of high school, I actually got kicked out of my house <laughs> two weeks after my 18th birthday. But um, uh, after that, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and then I joined the army. I lived in yeah, I lived in South Korea. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I lived in South Korea for two years, which was um, a lot of fun. And I lived in Hawaii for two years in the military, and then I got out of the military and I came back and worked. And then I met my husband and. We got married, but I got, while I was working, I did, I've always, I did school full-time and work full-time the whole time. And so I would go to my, go to work and I'd come home and I would do independent study um, for my graduate and uh, for my undergrad and graduate degree. And then when I was halfway through my master's, I got pregnant with my first kid and I, and it slowed down my pace a lot, but yeah, that's, I mean, I was, it was just, I, I really love to travel and I would go uh, like every two or three times a year, I'd go somewhere and have a girl's trip or see some of my old army buddies or, you know, just wanted to go to a wedding in Michigan. No problem. Go to a wedding in Michigan. 
Um, but then kids come along and it's so much harder to travel with kids. And so I don't get to do that as much. Uh, but yeah. And Megan, what did you do for work before? So I actually, I did like a couple things like leading up, you know, in high school and stuff. But after I graduated and got married, I worked in a workers comp place. So if anybody's familiar with Kroger, yeah. um, like Smith's or Loaf and Jug and all of them, um, I did their return to work department. I was the return to work uh, team lead. And so I helped the people get back to work, like on a limited modified duty um, while they were injured. So I'd work with their physicians and I'd work with um, them and I'd work with their managers to help make sure that they had the correct type of duty and work. And if they were off work, I would try to do things to get them back to work faster um, by helping them and working with their physicians and knowing their care plans and stuff like that. So that's oh, what I did. Wow. Yeah. You guys both had very interesting uh, starts. That's so cool. <laughs> I know. And it's completely opposite of the birth world. Like, yeah. yeah. And then, and then on the side, I taught, <laughs> I taught dance and um, a fitness class. So nothing related to birth at all. But um, after my first birth, I realized, you know, how much I loved birth. And then after my second birth, um, I became even more passionate about options in the birth room because I felt like my options were completely taken away from me um, and fear was placed um, in the room and I didn't appreciate that so that's kind of where my passion for what we do now I mean I've always like wanted to be like a labor and delivery nurse and I always loved babies but never to this extent. Unfortunately I feel like I've heard that more often than not so yeah that's nice that you're taking control of it in some way. Um, yeah. And so for both of you, I want to know who made you a mama? My daughter, Lainey, who actually eight years ago, this past Monday, November 4th is when oh, she was born. Happy and <laughs> Yeah. And she, um, yeah, she did. And she did. She just changed our world um, for the better. And um, I just can't imagine life without her. And of course, the other two. Yeah, so for me, my oldest is Owen, and he's six and a half, and he is um, my mini-me in a lot of ways. <laughs> he has a lot of characteristics that I see in myself, both good and, I don't know, I wouldn't call them bad, but like our weaknesses are kind of the same, uh -huh. and so we, but it's easy, but it's easy for me as I'm learning how to like control myself and my my individual struggles um I guess it's kind of a blessing that he has similar struggles like emotionally and so it's easy for us to like disconnect together and like get grounded and do our breathing and talk about how we're feeling and the other day I told him I hate Halloween and he's like why do you hate Halloween and I'm like because I feel like all I'm doing for two weeks is yelling at kids about candy and you just ate and so I told we talked about like how he ate five cookies and only had one little hot dog for dinner. And then after <laughs> he went trunk or tree and got even more candy. And then he was just screaming and having these big fits and tantrums. And so then in the middle of all that, I just pulled him into my bed and snuggled. And when he got done crying and having his meltdown, I just, I said, I want to know how I'm feeling right now. I just hate Halloween. And he said, why? And so I, I told him and he's like, and I said, so I need you to do a little bit better and maybe only have one cookie instead of five 
because sugar doesn't do very well with you. And he said, well, I need you to just make sure I don't eat that much sugar. And I was like, well, son, let me do just something about (laughs) self-regulation. But yeah, he's, he's, he's a lot like me in a lot of ways. And he's my C-section baby. So that's so sweet. I love that. And what was for both of you, what was the pregnancy and birth like for, for that first experience? Um, my pregnancy was fine. Um, I actually, I am like one of those weird lucky ducks that like never gets nauseous, never throws up, never has any, anything (laughs) just, just loved pregnancy and was happy in my pregnancy. Um, until the end when I was miserable because I completely did not take care of myself when I was pregnant. I had the whole excuse of, oh, I'm a mom. I'm pregnant. I'm eating for two. And then I ate for two every single time. And yeah. sometimes, and, and I ate two meals and then I ate two snacks and I ate two desserts. And, and um, I just gained a lot of weight. Um, I had round ligament pain and really bad in the beginning, but wasn't like, constant or enough to like bug me if that makes sense it was more like when I was going to sleep and my doctor told me I should stop working out because that was probably affecting it oh wow and so I stopped working out and literally just didn't take care of myself I ate Chinese food all the time like there was this (laughs) Chinese restaurant restaurant right by me and I was like yeah like Chinese like I ate it every day (sighs) and I just I just didn't take care of myself so I gained a lot of weight so in the end I was really miserable as far as like how much weight I had gained um and so I did everything I could to try and have a baby including drinking castor oil and it worked it totally worked um and I went into labor um, and then that's, of course, you know, delivery, um, delivery was a little different because I had a doctor who didn't want to wait for me to have a baby and didn't trust the birth process. Um, so that of course ended in a cesarean, but pregnancy in a general, like I love being pregnant. I love it so much. It just, there's nothing about it. Like even the heartburn and all of that stuff. That's like me. Um, I would, I would do it all the time, like, because I love being pregnant. Yeah. It's so funny how for different people it's, they either oh, yeah. hate it or they love it. <laughs> yep, exactly. And most people I feel like don't love it. Right. Most people are like, oh, I'm so ready to be done. And I'm like, I will be pregnant for another three weeks. That's fine. <laughs> That's so funny. What about for yeah. you, Julie? Um, I, my first two pregnancies were also pretty, pretty easy. Um, Except so with my first pregnancy, I was working, um, you know, my nine to five job and we had a big project coming up. And so I was actually working 50 to 60 hour weeks in my third trimester. Wow. And I know I was like, it was hard, but like I worked in a field that's predominantly dominated by men, you know, it's predominantly men, yeah. um, the information technology. And I was into a management track. And so I was a team lead at that point and we were setting up for all this end user testing and all sorts of things. And, um, I remember I was like 35 weeks pregnant and we had been working all day and I had had anything to eat for like six hours and it was lunchtime. And I just walked up to my manager and I said, Oh, I think, um, is it okay if I just go, go for like an hour, I have really bad headache. I just need to go for an hour and like, 
get some food and rest and then I'll come right back. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, do do whatever you need to take care of yourself. Cause he was really understanding. Like nobody ever made me feel like I was um, like unequal or whatever, but like me, I'm like, I'm a strong woman and I'm determined and I'm going to be equal to my counterparts. Right. And so, yeah. so I called into my doctor's office because my headache was really bad and I needed something besides Tylenol. And they wanted me to come in and um, to make a super long story short, I ended up having preeclampsia. So I got put on bed rest right away. And then it was <sighs> a week later and Megan and I actually have the same doctor for our C-section. We didn't even know each other then. So it's super interesting. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was induced. I just, I wasn't given a lot of time. Um, and, you know, again, same doctor that just wasn't patient, wasn't very patient and got, ended up having an emergency, an emergency in my air quotes my emergency cesarean, um, you know, my baby was born and it was really rough. Like, I don't feel like the C-section itself was traumatic. I definitely wasn't prepared for it. I definitely didn't know what my options were. I definitely did not know what questions to ask um, before that to determine if it was really necessary. But I feel like the most traumatic part for me was afterwards. We were in the hospital for um, 12 days, which isn't a terribly long, like, make you experience. And it wasn't even a NICU. It was just like a level one nursery because mm-hmm. um, he needed to just make sure his blood sugars were regulating and he was getting enough weight and that he was able to eat. Um, and so as a 36 weeker, he's kind of like a late, like on the cusp of like not quite being a preemie, but still a preemie. So I wasn't allowed to see him except for every three hours to try and feed him. And then my milk never came in. Um, and then we ended up doing formula because he started bringing the bottle to my breast because he actually got something from the bottle and it just oh like that was a really hard journey for me um being in there for like 11 days but but yeah that was my first birth in a nutshell (laughs) I mean that's still a long time 11 days days like after you've just had birth and all you want to do is be home with your baby you know yeah in the halls of a you know, empty hospital. It just, you know, it's not mm-hmm. welcoming. Yeah, and I was they they stayed there for longer because my blood pressure was still so high. And then after I was discharged, they even let me stay to, stay in like an empty like labor and delivery room so I could be close to him. So I was there the whole time as well. And just every three hours, I would go in and see in the middle of the night. In the morning, I had like no break. My husband was working, and it was mm. it was it was rough. Every morning, I would go home and shower, and then come back. And in time for his next feeding, like I wanted to make sure that I was the one to um, to be able to feed him. And I remember one time, like I was so exhausted, I crashed and I was sleeping in the empty labor and delivery room for like the two a.m. feeding. I didn't wake up to my alarm, and the nurses called my room, and I didn't answer because I was exhausted. I like slept right through it, and then I woke up. Um, when my alarm went off at the 5 a.m. feeding, I realized that I missed the two o'clock feeding and like I freaked out. I got so upset. I was like, how come nobody came and got me? And they're like, we tried to call you. And like, I went back to look at the phone records and I'm like, oh, there was a missed call. Cause you know, I had like the little yeah. screen where you could see. And I was just like, I felt like I let him down by not, I know it like sounds silly to say that, but like I was, I felt like I was the one, like, even if I couldn't 
feed him. I could at least be there for my 30 minutes every three hours to hold him. Yeah. And it was, that was kind of a hard one. But anyways, before I get too onto too many details about that, you can actually hear both of our, mine and Megan's whole birth stories. We talked for an hour about all of our births on our podcast, the VBAC link, their episodes number two and three. So oh, if anyone awesome. wants more details, they can go listen to that when we're done. <laughs> oh, good. And I'll put all those links in the show notes later. Um, and you all are both in Utah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And so how did you both meet? Through the doula community, really. Do, uh, Julie and I kind of started our doula careers around the same time. And um, I, she had already had her VBAC. And so she was like super passionate. And I was going for, I want to say my first VBAC my first, my second pregnancy, the one that I was wanting to go for a view back for that birth. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of connected that way. And then even more connected after she had had two VBACs and I was prepping for my VBAC after my second C-section, my two C-sections, um, connected. And Julie's just, Julie's just a really loving heart. And, um, she really, really cares about other people. And she just one day, like, was like, Hey, I got this Epsom cells stuff for you. Like, it's amazing. And I <laughs> had all this stuff. And so I met her, um, at In the Kmart parking, the Kmart lot. parking lot going yeah. out of business. It, <laughs> it was like going, a drug deal. It was like going we were out swapping. Of, yeah. It was going <laughs> out of business. And I remember like the inside was so hot because they were going out of business. They shut off their air conditioning. So it was so hot inside. <laughs> and I remember her, like, I was like, you went in there for me. Like it was miserable in there. And, um, so anyway, so we kind of connected there and then, um, I had had my V back and just, we, you know, we were very much in the career and Julie had another baby. So we just, we were kind of in the doula career, um, career together and kind of stayed acquaintances. And then obviously, um, this partnership evolved and we're really excited about it. So that's a perfect segue. I want you, well, first of all, let me explain. So I found both of you through one of my best friends who on Tuesday, so today is Friday and on Tuesday is her due date. And she has been following you guys because she had a C-section and Mm -hmm. she's just been battling back and forth with whether she's going to have a vaginal birth or have a C-section scheduled or anything. And she's literally in the midst of it right now. I wish she could be here on this call. Yes, me too. But, um, so she's been listening to your podcast and has been so inspired by it. And she said, you have to listen to this. And I know that it's been helping her through. So, um, I thank you for my friend. And, um, I know there's many other, other ladies out there that you've helped in many, many ways and in all the facets that you guys have, but that's a perfect segue. So what made you start the VBAC link and what is it for those of us who have no idea? I'll take that one. (laughs) um okay so I'm gonna try and make this as short as possible um without leaving out the details because I absolutely love details um that's okay we like details here too (laughs) (laughs) so like Megan said um so Megan um had two c-sections and then a v-back after two c-sections and so I had one cesarean and then I had three v-backs at home and so Wow. My, I, I got inspired to become a doula 
we both got inspired to become a doula after our second birth. And Megan was because of her cesarean. She had a really amazing nurse that helped her in. Um, I had a really amazing doula during my um, VBAC. And I knew almost immediately after that birth that I wanted to become that for other people. I wanted to be that difference. I wanted to bring that strength and that energy and that peace to a woman while she was laboring. Um, and cause that, that made all the difference to me. I called my first doula, you know, my security blanket, like when she walked in the room, everything was fine. I just, everything was fine. I knew that it was going to be okay. That came over yep. you. Exactly. And so I became a doula and I took a training and I almost instantly like specialized in VBAC. My first like four clients were VBACs. I still ha take mostly VBAC clients just because that's just, you know, we all have like our target market and, you know, the business side of things, but mo it's mostly VBAC women that hire me. I, um, and I only, I take far less clients every month than Megan does. And so I think she has like a much broader, um, she has all sorts of different clients, but mine are primarily VBAC and people with complicated situations. But, um, but so after I had my first, I, I, I got really busy as a doula really quickly because of that VBAC um, specialty and my desire to help women with that who had had cesareans. And then I got surprise pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember my, like, the, I had five births in three weeks and I was 10 weeks pregnant and it was really, really rough. But I, so I had, a, so then after, at the end of my pregnancy, I slowed down and then I took more clients and then I got pregnant again this one was a planned one and then um I had a baby and then but I always knew like I that I my passion for VBAC I had to do something with it besides just one-on-one -on -one helping local women I've always had that desire to make it bigger like something bigger than me and bigger than our local community and so after I had my last baby um I knew we were done we are, we are closed for business. There's no more kids <laughs> coming close to business. our family. Yes, we are closed for business. And um, so a few months after she was born, I'm like, okay, it's time. It's time to do this. What am I going to do? And so I brainstormed with a friend of mine and I knew I wanted a business partner. Um, I needed someone to balance me out and like someone to help me be accountable because it's really, really hard to be accountable to yourself. Yeah. At least it is for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy for me to let go of promises to myself. Yeah. Well, um, it's better to feel inspired and encouraged and, you know, think outside of the box with someone else. Yeah, for sure. And by this time, Megan and I is our third baby. So my second VBAC and her VBAC after two C-sections are just a few weeks apart. Um, so, and Megan was just like this rock star doula she's dominating the doula industry she works with VBAC clients she knows all the local providers she's um, making a big impact in our local birth community and so I it was it was natural for me to just like be drawn to her and Megan has this presence like if you if you're ever in the same room with Megan you're like just instantly drawn to her her personality skills her people skills her like just love for for everybody you just you can just smell it. Like you can just, it just pulls you in. And it's always been like that for me, just being around Megan. She's just this bright light. And so I knew be, because of her experiences, both personally and professionally, I wanted her to be with me. 
in this business. And I, um, so I approached her and it's really funny. We joke about it now because we know our personality types and our personality styles. And I'm like very detail oriented and, and, um, need things to be a certain way and in order. And Megan's more like go with the flow and, (laughs) um, and patient. Right. And I'm not patient. And so (laughs) I called her for, um, to go out to chocolate cakes. I'm like, who can resist chocolate cake? I was so nervous. I'm like, I don't know who else it would be. If it's not Megan, I will die. I don't know who, there's nobody else. Like it has to be Megan. So I bribed her with chocolate cake and I like, had my computer out and I had like a little presentation about what I wanted to do. This was back when it was like Utah V backlinks and we were just going to focus on local moms. Local. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I come in and I give her my little spiel and we have chocolate cake and she's like, well, I just, I need to think about it for, for a minute. And so then she was on vacation for a week in Mexico and I'm just like, what am I going to do? I was like, so I was like, I feel like I was asking her to marry me. I'm like, my life won't be the same. And she says, no. <laughs> and I mean, super long story short, um, she said yes. And then one random day, we decided to, oh, so we started out um, designing a course for local parents for VBAC. So like everything we thought, we wish we would have known going into our C-sections and going in for our VBAC, because there's a lot of misinformation out there and it can be confusing and it can be hard to figure out what, what is credible and what is based on fear versus what is based on like science and actual evidence. And so we scoured the internet. We spent hundreds of hours creating um, a course for both parents and doulas um, about all of that factual information and evidence-based information that women can use to create their birth experience. And then one one day I had been talking to my a friend of mine and we were all talking about how the future of social media is all in audio and video and like and I told my friend I'm like I should start a podcast about feedback and she's like you should start a podcast and I'm like hold on I gotta call Megan and so I called Megan and I said Megan we need to start a podcast and she's like um what don't you think that will be a lot of time and I was like no it'll be so easy look (laughs) let me just do a test run I'm gonna just play around with some things and it'll be like super easy. So like that night I got on um, my computer, I recorded like a five minute little podcast, like, hey, this is the feedback link. We specialize in da 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 da. And then I created an account on Podbean. I uploaded the audio. I created a, a little cover art with our logo and I sent her the link like that night. And I was like, that only took me like 40 minutes. Like we can do this and this is going to be so easy and it's hardly going to be any time at all. And she was like, uh, uh, well, okay, I guess we can try. <laughs> so, so another detail about Julie and I is I'm a little bit more realistic than Julie. I dream big. It's not about being realistic. Oh, I, I dream, dream big. big. I, I, I dream big. I just know what it's going to take to get there. <laughs> We balance each other out. Absolutely. In That's all the right point. way. <laughs> um, so we started a podcast and it turns out that it is a lot more time consuming than 
um, that first little five minute episode, but um, the amount of people we've been able to reach uh, has been incredible. We have over a hundred thousand downloads. We have um, listeners in every single state and all over the world. It's just been really, really cool to like our favorite thing is just getting messages from on Instagram or on the or on Facebook or in our email from people who have been listening to our podcast and they say, Hey, I just wanted to say thank you. I got my feedback today. I had the courage to switch providers after listening to so and so's podcast where she switched providers. And um that's that's why we started this all in the beginning is to 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 help people, to change people's lives to encourage them to trust their intuition, to educate them with the right information so that they can build confidence in their birth decisions and make the right choice for them, no matter if that's a repeat cesarean or or firing your provider so you can get their feedback or whatever it looks like. And so we have, uh, I mean, like it's evolved so much since we started, but we have uh, we have online classes. We have a VBAC, advanced VBAC doula certification program. We have doulas in like 27 states now and four different countries. These doulas are getting trained and certified in how to support VBAC. Um, they ha- it's a whole course and the whole certification process we're accredited with ICEA um, and we award CEUs and everything. And then we have a how to VBAC, the ultimate prep course for parents course that parents can take. And we go over um, how to prepare for VBAC, the history of VBAC and cesarean, what uterine rupture actually means and what it looks like. Um, things that you never knew you needed to know, how to identify a bait and switch from your provider and what to do after a bait and switch, like all sorts of things. We go over every single thing um, that we learned and that we've seen and that we we wish we would have known before our birth so that parents can prepare for those births. And then we have a blog and obviously our podcast, we have free downloadable content on our website, thevbackleague.com. And we have a Facebook community where it's super supportive we kick anybody out. It's the, like the first hint of any kind of trolling or hate speech. They're yeah. just out of there. We protect that <laughs> with like our whole hearts because <laughs> we want people to feel loved and supported. And then obviously we're on social media everywhere. We have YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest page, like we're, wow, we're everywhere, amazing. wherever you want to find us. Um, we're there. And I've been talking for a really long time. Megan, what, what do you want to add? about the VBAC link, what it is and what we do. <laughs> I, I think you nailed it. I love it. Oh, things. <laughs> my goodness. It does. It seems as though you guys just are, are there to provide and offer and support. And I've never, I don't know how much you guys know about my story. I didn't tell you too much, but I'm not yet a mom. Um, I'm a hopeful mom to be soon. I have to wait for some medical things to work out, but I didn't know what any of this was about before, you know, before you have kids, it's like certain lingo, you just don't know. But then having one of my best friends go through it and well, having two of my best friends go through C-sections and their experience with that. And then now my one friend specifically just in her mind battling back and forth and back and forth, whether she should do it or not have a feedback or whatever. And it just seems so stressful and it didn't seem like there was much support for her. So I think it's so wonderful that you guys are offering that to moms everywhere, clear, literally everywhere. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we also don't want to, we want to kind of make a point to also say, you know, a lot of people like, Oh, well, V back. But like even first time moms, they need to know options and we need to, right. 
a lot of the target market even for like companies like ours too is like first time moms because we want to avoid cesarean we want to get this cesarean down the level is the the percentage is too high and so if women can know their options and ways to avoid cesarean first time second time moms um we can start helping that way with you know lowering the cesarean rate as well yeah so what are some important things for moms who are preparing to have VBAC to know that might not be presented to them one of the most important things that we see time and time and time again is women who stay with a provider that is not supportive. Where and who you birth with is going to make the biggest impact on your odds of having a successful vaginal birth. And that's not taking into the account that like sometimes unexpected things happen and that's okay. We can, you know, emergencies happen and you have to just run with it. And sometimes you have to change plans in order to get to your end goal. But if you have a provider that is insisting on things that you know are not supportive, and we have a blog all about how to tell if your provider is supportive, and we go over a, a lot in our class, but we we see women all the time in our community and in other VBAC groups that say, my provider's saying this doesn't feel right. They won't let me go past 40 weeks. They won't let me try if my baby's more than nine pounds. If they won't, da 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 but it breaks our hearts because these women, their intuition is speaking to them. Their intuition is telling them that something doesn't fit right in that space. And it's really hard when you see women in the comments say, you know, it's hard. It sounds like your provider's not very supportive. Can you find another provider or are there other options? And these women say like, well, he's in my insurance, or I would have to drive 30 minutes to try and see a different provider. Or, you know, he's had, he, this provider had delivered all three of my sister's babies. So I'm, I really want to stay with him or, or it's a family friend. Like he's delivered all my babies and he's delivered my mom's babies. And people have this loyalty to their provider that they don't want to break. And they let that um, to the detriment at, in a, a lot of ways to their birth choices and their birth preferences. And so it, I would say that don't be afraid to fire your provider because your provider does not care as much about, is not as loyal to you as you are to them. And I know that that might sound really, really harsh, but it's true. It's true. And also hire a doula. Like we, we are doulas. So obviously we, we love doulas. We think doulas are great. Um, we train doulas. We've had doulas at our, all of our VBACs. Um, but get a doula that knows what she's doing with VBAC and get a doula that will know because yes, your, your husband or um, your friend might be a really good support for you and they should be there with you. You should have whoever you want in your birth space, but having someone that specifically knows about birth and and intervention and how things can shift and what's normal and what's not normal um, is been scientifically proven to decrease your chances of cesarean. There's actually a study um, that has been done that shows that having a doula in your room increases your risk of cesarean by 39% just by having that doula with you. And so um, doula is kind of like insurance 
for your birth. Although maybe maybe that's not the right way to say it because it doesn't ensure or guarantee any type of outcome. It's like insurance for you as a mom. It's insurance yeah, for comfort, I think. It is. And it's and it it will help you feel like even if you do an in a repeat cesarean, it will you're gonna still likely to feel like you had choices and you had options and that you did everything you could instead of leaving at the end end of your birth saying like what the hell just happened. Um, but using the word insurance is probably not the best word because like I said just a bit ago, like in we don't guarantee there's no guaranteed outcomes with a a doula but when I when I said insurance the meaning behind that is that like um you're going to be way more likely to have a vaginal birth to feel um satisfied about your birth experience to feel like you were in control of the things that are happening to you and so um there's a whole study based around what benefits doulas actually provide and it has all the statistics and I'm a statistics junkie and so I love the data so um if you're curious about that we have a blog on our on our website the vbacklink.com slash blog um that talks about doula uh, myth busting five facts about doulas you didn't know and you can find that there and I just didn't want to be like <laughs> I just didn't want to come up to bring across the wrong meaning by using the term insurance I guess because it doesn't there's no guarantee for sure but um there are so many benefits and so that would be my other, my two pieces of advice is don't be afraid to leave your provider. Find a provider that believes in you 100% and that is that you, that doesn't make you feel nervous or question what um, they are trying to do and hire a doula that knows and a lot about or has even taken our VBAC training course because they're going to know how to better support you. And we actually have a doula directory as well on our website of all the doulas that have taken our training. So you can find that at feedback.com slash oh, That's super helpful. Um, when you were talking about the whole provider situation, that was a perfect segue. I have a couple quick questions from my listeners, but one of them specifically is about that. So it is, what would you say when the OB says that they will only let you go to 41 weeks before another section? How do you just go ahead and find another provider? You just do. It's kind of crazy, but you, you interview, you interview who you need to, or you just switch and you don't even have to go back to that office ever again. You go find the provider that you want. They request your medical records and you switch. I had a mom switch at 42 weeks. Wow. Yeah. It's hard. I've had a client walk out of labor and delivery after her water broke and find another and go to a different hospital no way yep oh yeah and I yeah, yeah I've had a client the same thing like in labor not a VBAC client but in labor the provide the hospital and the provider were not treating her with the care that she desired and felt that she was you know owed and so she did she started calling her and her husband started calling hospitals around to see who would accept their insurance she signed an ama walked out and went and had a baby at another hospital wow yeah like if you are not being treated with respect in the way that you desire you do not have to continue it doesn't mean it's easy it's it's sometimes hard to switch you know that was one of the reasons why i had my second doctor, I didn't switch because I was, I felt like I had some loyalty to him. Like I was with him the whole time. So I would just stay with him and it would be fine. And he told me I could be back, 
But in the end, he bait and switched me and completely pressured me into another C-section. And I truly do believe if I would have switched care to a more um, supportive provider that I probably would have avoided that cesarean altogether. But then I wouldn't have reached out to you for the VBAC link. <laughs> <laughs> Everything happens for a reason, but <laughs> well, and you know, Megan has a really good point. It um one one phrase that I've really just like hung on to. We had Dr. Stu and Midwife Bliss um on our podcast a couple of times now. And he's a really great OB. He's actually does home birth and he's an OB in California and he's really big on breach delivery. Um, and reteaching breach and travels all over the country to teach providers how to deliver breach babies. And um, he just talks about like how broken the system is. And um, we had an episode on body autonomy and labor. And I just, everyone, if you don't remember anything else from this episode that you're listening to right now, I want you to remember this, is that your body autonomy does not go away just because you are pregnant or in labor. It does not. You still mm-hmm. have choices. You still have control. And if somebody is not going to listen to you, they do not have to lay a hand on you. And you have the right to go and seek care other places. And you have the right to say, no, stop, don't touch me. Document my refusal in, the med- in my medical records. I mean, there are so many things you can do um, to create or to stand up for yourself and to get your rights. And it's, and like Megan said, it is really hard. It can be really hard. And hopefully if you have a provider that's not supportive, you'll know that before, you know, you're 39, 40, 41 weeks. But if you end up in a situation where your provider is trying to um, force you into an induction, then you say no you have the right to say no and it can be really really tricky situation to be in because doctors technically like legally they cannot force you to do anything um they cannot they cannot refuse to provide you care legally they cannot refuse to deliver your baby vaginally legally they can't but what they can do is they can lie to you they can coerce you they can manipulate you and they can scare you into thinking that your baby or your life is in danger in order to get you to have a repeat cesarean. And so avoiding situations like that in the first place by, by knowing what your provider is like and what their policies are surrounding feedback is really, really important. But second to that is knowing what the actual facts are and knowing what the evidence says and being educated so that if you do find yourself in a situation where your provider is trying to to force or coerce you you already know what the evidence is and and you can refuse another question that i had from one of my listeners was what is the earliest recommended time between a cesarean and a vbac attempt this is probably one of the hottest questions that we the get the most common well, yeah it it is because the hard thing is some providers are like oh you can't get pregnant for 2 years or 18 months or you can't, I've had someone tell um, a mom that she shouldn't get pregnant for three years. And wow. sometimes that's a long gap for families, you know? 
So, but um, we actually have a blog all about this and we send this blog out to a lot of people. So for those who are listening and they want to learn more, um, the vbacklink.com slash blog, go check it out. But um, studies show that six months, six months, and there is no different in your scar after six months um, as far as like how healed it's going to be. That doesn't mean the body itself is prepared to necessarily have another baby because, you know, our no matter vaginal c-section or what our bodies are recovering right so hormonally physically from having a baby but studies show that after six months there's no difference between 12 months 18 months two years five years 10 years eight years it's it's no different is that in terms of getting pregnant as well because like of course if you get pregnant things move and stretch and adjust so is that like wait six months to even get pregnant? Yeah, six months between between six months between C-section and conception. Conceiving. Yeah. So yeah. six months between um, pregnancies equals do the math. Thirteen. Wait, what's nine plus six? <laughs> Fifteen months between birth. <laughs> so your scar um, is as healed as it's going to be after six months. Um, and so that's like Megan just said, simply just talking about regards to uterine rupture, your increased risk, um, which is what people are worried about. So within that six month range, your risk of uterine rupture is about two and a half percent if you get pregnant within that six months. But that is still um, still maybe an acceptable risk for some people. Um, and so finding a provider that supports that is very, very important. But every provider has different recommendations for that. Um, but as far as like what science says, science says is that your scar is as healed as it will ever be um, after it's been six months since your teaching. And so what are some things that if a mom is preparing to have a VBAC, they can do during their pregnancy to make the process easier and more successful? This is a great one for Megan. <laughs> yeah, you know, prepping, I think there's a lot of mental prep that goes into it and um a fear release. Actually, Julie just made an awesome YouTube video about fear release um, on our YouTube channel. Um, but fear release and understanding what fears you have going into it is a great way to, to mentally prep. And then um, I prepped physically, a lot of physical things. And uh, something I actually didn't do, but I wish I did, was even going to a pelvic floor specialist because a lot of trauma can be held in your pelvic floor. Um, and can carry out into the delivery. So that's kind of a hard, a hard thing, but really good nutrition, really good physical activity, keeping your body in really good health um, and being aware of what your body needs. Um, red raspberry leaf tea, that's like a, it's a tea or they have it in a pill. That's, there's quite a myth out there that it's an inducer. It's not an inducer, it is a uterine toner. Oh, now I have a dog tuning in too, apparently. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a bird outside and he wants the bird. Yeah, he's like, let me out. Um, so red raspberry leaf tea to help strengthen the uterus. Um, there's tons of herbs and things out there like birth prep. So do your research, ask your providers and, um, and, and just take a look at them. But overall, mental and physical prep. Oh, do you hear him? Oh my goodness. He's like, literally yeah, he's <laughs> um, <laughs> um, mental and physical prep are probably my number one things that I did and really getting that support team. If you have that support team, it makes 
things better all around. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. This has just been so informative and so helpful. And I, um, as much as I want my best friend to have her baby ASAP, I wish that she this before she goes into the experience, but either way, um, I'm sure it'll be helpful for her because she's planning to have more. So that's good. Um, wow. This is just so informative. And I think it's amazing that you guys have really honed in on something specific that no one is really focusing on. I mean, there's a lot of pregnancy help and mom help and this and that. And, you know, I'm just here to share mom's stories and inspire and guide and support moms and learn so that when I do become a mom, I can understand what I'm diving into. But the fact that you have something so specific and supportive is just really awesome. And I know that any moms that I come across who are curious about this, I'm definitely going to shoot your way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I also wanted to mention, so you have, I'll put all of the information in the show notes for everyone, but you have the website, you have the podcast, you have the courses, you have all the free information, and you also, I found, are just starting to go live in other locations. Isn't yes, that we're traveling we in 2020. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, if you ever want to come to New York, we can meet up. I think we, we want should. to. We've had a couple people from Boston and Philly and like that kind of like Northeastern area um, reach out, but so far, um, our, we're going to be in Green Bay, Wisconsin in June. And we are going to be in Southern Louisiana in August. And then we are going to be in Miami either the end of September or early October um, wow. for 2020. I know, right? And so if, you, if you're in any of those areas um, and want to take our classes or just come and say hi, check out our events page at the vbacklink.com slash events and um, sign up for our courses. We would love to meet you. And um, we would love to see you. Our, one of our very favorite things is connecting with people. In fact, it's one of our core values for our business we created really early on. Um, Isn't that our, also part of what your logo is? I was looking. Yeah, our, the five people that are connected. I can talk to you for, uh, about that too. Um, but one of our core values, um, we have four of them, but one of them is relationship. And Megan and I, we personally respond to every single message we get, every single email every single Instagram or Facebook um, direct message. We love connecting and talking to people. We love hearing their stories. We love helping them. Um, there's been many times we've given our personal cell phone numbers out to moms or doulas who just need to chat or process or something just from all over the country. And so, yeah, our logo, um, we created our logo. We did like a redesign after we rebranded from Utah Backlink to the V-Backlink. And um, Megan and I decided um, to have the logo be five people standing, holding their hands up high in the air. And the five people um, represent the birthing person, the birth partner, the child, the doula, and the provider. And they're holding hands, linked hands, um, to create a, a, like one, one entity, one unit, one support person, because it takes a whole team in order to make birth happen. And so that's what we want to provide here at the VBAC link is that, that community, that support, that strength, that uplifting, um, that uplifting environment and feeling, um, for, for birthing people and for women and moms and families. And so, yeah, so that's why we decided to have our logo be that. I love that. I mean, it takes a village, I think as a it mom, does. right? 
Mm-hmm. And, and even as a pregnant mom going into a VBAC or pregnant mom going into who knows an unexpected outcome. And then of course, once you're, you're a mom, you need that village. That's so cool. What a neat thing. Um, so my last question for both of you, and we didn't get diving in too much to your children, but um, I really wanted this to be focused on the moms out there and providing some support and a place for them to go reach out to you all. But for you personally, for all of your kids, what is something that you want to leave with them for when they're 18? What are some words that you want to leave with them? So um, drive, drive, drive is a word. Um, I want my kids to always have the drive and never feel like they can't do anything they want to do. Um, I think sometimes in life it is intimidating and it's hard and it's scary. Um, but I want them to know that, um, that I want them to have the drive, um, the drive to, to have that and then support. Um, I want them to always know. And I always tell them this, that I'm always there to support them and be there for them. And if there's ever in a time of struggle or, or worry or anything that they're always willing to come and talk or able to come and talk to me and I will help them get through that time. Um, so just a little teeny backstory. My oldest has cerebral palsy. It's very mild. He's very, very high functioning. He goes to normal school. He doesn't even have to do physical therapy anymore or occupational therapy. And so, um, we created a family motto and we, every morning before school, we say the family motto, like all my kids, even my, my almost two-year-old like mumbles it <laughs> in along with us. And so all of my kids know it. And I like, I created it with the intention of, um, having my oldest who has cerebral palsy just like to be in his mind and come back to his mind throughout his whole entire life. Um, and so that would be what I would leave with them is our family motto. And I use this for my, for my birth clients as doulas as well. Sometimes, um, when they need to hear it, I'll tell it to them in labor or something like that. And just tell them a little bit of a story when things get hard. And so our family motto uh, is three sentences. It says, I can do hard things. My mind and body are strong. I will never give up. And so, yeah, I, it's worked well and it like kind of encompasses everything. I can do hard things. I I am strong mentally and physically and I, and I won't give up. I will keep working. Um, and we talk about the difference between like giving up is different than quitting. So giving up is just like exasperated and frustrated and things are too hard. I don't want to do them. So I'm going to stop. But there are some times in life where it's good to to quit or stop doing things that uh, or and change paths. And so we we talk we elaborate a little bit more on the difference between that because sometimes you do have to shift paths in order to get to your end goal, and that's okay. But um, quitting and giving up because things are too hard um, is is what I don't want them to do. So that's our family motto. That's beautiful, <laughs> ladies. I'm just so grateful that you had the time to talk to me this morning. This was really, really informative and just so nice to get to know you. And I'm excited for you to come to New York someday and host a course. Even if I'm not yet a mom and not having a VBAC, I'll still come. (laughs) Yes, please do. We would love it. And anybody who wants to reach out and host, we just need a host. We just, we love connecting with people and and we love helping people and helping people really is the heart of our business and and why, why we do this. 
Thank you so much. You ladies are the best. Once again, this is Julie and Megan from the VBAC link. Check out in the show notes all of their links on social media, their website, their podcast, et cetera, et cetera. You guys are kicking butts and taking names. Maybe those providers, maybe those doctors. and just Oh, standing we up. have names. <laughs> <laughs> Not publicly. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm thank so you grateful. so much. Oh, well, thank you so much. We just love talking to you. The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms. And I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter, and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at The Pumping Podcast, and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping.